look at my face. Usually I'm like this. Today I'm going to be like this. I'm going to smile at you a lot. Because you can't get mad at me when I'm smiling at you. So today we're going to smile a lot. And you're going to say, really? Yeah, as we get into this lesson, you're going to understand why I'm smiling at you a lot. Satan whipped me pretty good this week over this stuff. So I'm going to pass it along to you. Uh, We're talking about our adversary. We're talking about the devil. And last week we got started into it about it, it as looking into a mirror. And a lot of times in our life, we see things that Satan has put in there and and it's up to us to get them out. And he mirrors a lot of things in our lives. And, and we, a lot of times, like we talked last, last week, we accept it and we go on and, and we look at it. Uh, I'm going to read over in, in John, if you want to flip over there, over in John chapter, th- over in John chapter 8, verse 44. Uh, the same verse we used last week. And then I'm going to hit a couple of things real quick and then we're going to go on. We're not going to have much of a review. Over in John chapter 8 and verse 44, Ye is talking to the people, we are of your father, the devil, and lust of your father ye will do, as he was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there was no truth in him. He's a murderer. We talked about abortion. We talked about a lot of things last week. We talked about him being a liar. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh his own, and he is a liar and the father of it. So we talked about this last week. We talked about murder, lying. We talked about uh, different things. We talked about uh, our marriages and, and how God puts things in the Bible about us to help with our marriages and how Satan wants to destroy that. And so today we're going to pick up. Let me get over to where I want to go. We're going to pick up. Turn over to James chapter 3. We're going we're gonna to pick up here and we're going to put dis- uh, disruptions. How, how Satan disrupts. Christ is orderly. Everything about God and God's setting as he sets out in the, and set the world into motion, set our lives into motion, is orderly. He's not chaotic. He just didn't throw things together. Uh, he put things together exactly the way they were supposed to be, exactly the way he wanted them. Satan isn't that way. He's a creator of confusion, disruption. Uh, he wants our lives to be that way. If your life as a Christian, is in constant turmoil and chaos or something wrong. Things aren't right because you need to get with God and you need to find out what's wrong because God's not the author of confusion. He wants us to know. Look over in James chapter 3 and verse 16. Well, I guess I better turn over there if we're going to look there. Over in James chapter 3 and verse 16. Where there is envyings and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. Evil is from the devil, and that's what he wants. So in our marriages, in our life, in our family, if things are constantly in a turmoil, and things are constantly, you and your mate are constantly bickering and fighting. You and your children are constantly bickering and fighting. God's not in any of that. He's not in that. He doesn't want your life to be that way. I've been in churches where there's been undertoes and there's been and, and things going on. And God's not in any of that. And we say, well, how do churches split? Because of confusion. Because of confusion. You've got a man of God that's standing up preaching the word. And then you've got somebody else sitting out here saying, I don't believe that. 
That's not right. Do you really believe what he's saying? And throws doubts on it. That's not, that's not of God. That's not, God's not in that. God's not the author of that. God wants us to know what's going on. Look at James chapter 4 and verse 1. From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? This is talking to God's children. This isn't talking about the world. This is talking about God's children. Wars and fightings. Now, when we say wars, we automatically think of Afghanistan or Iraq or someplace way across the ocean. That's not what this is talking about here. What's it talking about here? It's talking about in your life, with your family, where you live, where, you, where you're at. It's the wars and fightings that you have constantly in you. That's what he's talking about here. James isn't talking to the lost. He's talking to the saved. Whence cometh wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even in your lust, that you war in your members? In other words, it's in us. It's what's in us. And you say, well, I don't understand I'm saved. Yeah, but the old man that lives within you is not saved. That old man's lost. And the wars and fightings are constantly going on in you. And we're going to look in a little bit. The war is in our mind. It's where it all takes place. We look at it out here. And years ago when I first got saved and I heard preachers preach, we're in a warfare, we're in a warfare, we're in a warfare. And I kept thinking, are you nuts? I live in America. We're not in war. We don't have war. We're good. Everything's good. I don't understand this war thing. And then the more I got in the book, and the more I walked with God, and the more I walked closer to God, the more I realized the warfare we're in. And it is an everyday warfare. It is a constant fight. It's in a fight over our minds, what we think, where we're at, what we understand, what we don't understand. And it's a constant thing that we've got to work on every day. It just doesn't... You don't wake up one day when you're, when you're 65, 70 years old and say, I've arrived. Cal, have you arrived? No. Brother Yeager, you arrived? It's just not there. We, do, we, don't, we just don't arrive. It doesn't, we get to an age and we say, well, it's all good. I'm there. No, we fight it till we die. Till we die. James says, among you, you lust. We know that this is not of God. It's, it's Satan's plan. Satan wants to destroy our marriages, our family, our church. He wants envies and strifes and fightings. He wants it in us. He wants everything about us. Look at James chapter 3 and verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is pure and peaceable and gentle and easy to entreat, full of mercy, good fruits, without what? And without... All right. This is what God wants. This is the way God intends our life to be. This is what he wants for us. So let me ask you, is your life that way? You say, Brother Chuck, you're living in a utopia that is not life really. According to the book, that's the way our life is supposed to be. If it's not there, then what's wrong? Huh? You're with the devil. If it's not there, then something's wrong with you. You say, you mean we really can live like this where there's no strife and there's no fighting and I get along with it? Yeah. But it's here. We always want to say it's him. 
If Mark was right, I wouldn't be in this mess. If Mark would just do what I tell him to do and live the life I tell him to do, I wouldn't be here. It's not Mark, it's me. It's me. And the devil does that. He always says it's the other person. What did Eve say? What did Eve say? It, and what did Adam say? Huh? And we're the same way today. God's children. God is not to have the mess. God doesn't want the mess. God wants us to live peaceably and lovably, pure, gentle, easy to entreat, full of mercy, good fruits. That's where God intends us to be. Satan creates worldly lust. Look at James chapter 4, verses uh, 2 through 4. Ye lust, now this is talking to us, ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because... Does this seem like anybody else's life in here but mine? It's the way we are. We're constantly fighting with everything that's going on around us. We're not peaceable, we're not loving, we're not kind. It's, it's a constant turmoil. That's not the way life is supposed to be. You lust and you have not. You kill and you desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, and yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Ye, listen to what he says, ye adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that friendship with, friendship of the world is what? With God. You cannot be a friend of this world and a friend of God. Doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. You can't tell me that you're right with God, living a holy life, and do things in this world that you do. We're going to talk about some of those today. We're going to talk about that today. Because we as Christians think we can. The world has told us, the devil has told us, it really doesn't matter. That's not that important. Don't worry about that. It'll be all right. Nobody knows it. You can do that. It's just that narrow-minded Chuck Smith at church. He talks about that stuff. He's an old fuddy-duddy. He doesn't know. He's living years back. He doesn't know. If he was really up to times, if he really knew, it wouldn't matter that much. That's a lie. That's an out-and-out -out lie. Out-and-out -out lie. It's impossible to walk close and be close to God and walk in the world. When people attempt to, uh, they mirror the world in their philosophy, in their, in their convictions, in their music, in their dress. Satan does this. He tells us, it doesn't matter. It does matter. So many churches today have chosen to reflect the world in their ministries. And you know what? It's gotten into our homes. You talk to old people, like Joe, <laughs> like me, like Cal, 
Men and women that's been around, Kathy Watson. I'm not saying Kathy Watson's old, but... But you talk to older people that's been around and been in church. Callous, things changed. Churches have changed, haven't they? Yeah. Brother Yeager, have they changed? Yeah, they have. Joe? Yeah. What's changed about them? Did God change? No, what's changed? We've changed. I'm telling you the truth. There's things that go on in churches today that wouldn't even be discussed in churches. I'm telling you. We used to, and I'm not lying to you, I'm telling you the truth. There was very few services back in the 60s when I started going to church and I got saved that we didn't have the altar full with people that were getting saved. People would walk in and they'd get under conviction. Things were different. Churches have changed. They've changed a lot. We've got a good church, don't get me wrong. But churches have changed. They really have. And if you've been in church and if you were in the 60s and you were a teenager and you were there, you know what I'm talking about is the truth. Churches have changed. Our church has changed. Churches have changed. They don't sing hymns anymore. They've gone contemporary. They've done a lot of things that, that, that they've taken the blood out. They don't preach like they used to preach. Anybody in here ever go to Big Temple years and years and years ago when Dr. Vic was alive? You were there, you were there, you were there. How did Dr. Vic preach, Brother Bill? He was good, wasn't he? He was straight, wasn't he? He was a BBC guy, but he was straight. And I heard him preached. He taught. I was, in, I was in college with him. He taught. And he was straight. Temple Baptist Church is not the church that sets out here off of Ridge Road. It's not. Anybody here know Dr. Rollins? John Rollins? How was John Rollins, Brother Yeager? He was straight, wasn't he? I was in his church probably eight years ago, maybe, maybe a little bit longer. I took a group of guys from this church. We were going down to do some work down at a college, a deaf college that we support in Ringo, Georgia. We left here on a Sunday morning. I told the guys, I said, we're going to drive down to Cincinnati. We're going to go to John Rollins' church. I haven't been there in years. His son was there. I think his son's gone. I don't know what we're going to find, but I know that church was a strong church fundamental, basic, strong church. Run over a thousand, easy. A couple thousand, probably. They ran buses everywhere. We pulled into the parking lot. There were no buses. We got there, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing going into the church building. I mean, altar tops, shorts. It was unbelievable. We walked in, Four guys I took from this church, young guys. We sit down, drums, rock and roll being played, and they all looked down the pew at me and went, really? And I said, just sit tight. So we sat there, and the church is, is pretty full, and there's some, a lot of, quite, a, quite a few old people. But then their song leader, or whoever he is, come out, and he's got jeans on full of holes and a t-shirt that's half ripped off him. And he starts singing praise songs. And the band rocks up and everything, and 
we sat there for a few minutes, and then the pastor come out. Unbelievable. And I sat there and I looked, and I looked at all the older folks there, and my heart was broke. I said, how did this happen? How did it happen? You know how it happened? Satan got in. Satan says, you don't need that anymore. You need a young man that can lead this stuff. And that old man can't do it no more. And we want to go a different route. We don't need that bloody stuff. We don't need that bloody religion. We don't need that KJV. That's, that's a waste of time. You don't need that. And things started changing. Things started changing. You couldn't get saved there today if you wanted to. It's a shame. It really is. Uh, Brother Bob, turn over to me, for me, over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 11. I'll have you read there in a minute. But it's amazing how things have changed. It's amazing what's gone on in churches in our area. You don't have to go far away. You just go in our area. We know churches have closed. Things have happened. Churches don't preach the gospel anymore. It's a relevant talk. We, we meet in little prayer groups and we discuss things and, and God's not mentioned and it really doesn't matter. That's what Satan tells us. Satan's got in our churches. He is. And he's been very subtle about it. Very subtle. It's, you don't need that hymnal anymore. We'll put the words up here and you sing praise songs. Oh, they got words in it you really like. But it has nothing to do with the blood of Christ. It's not worshiping. It's not worshiping God. It's what man says. Brother Bob, if you've got that, read for me verses 11 through 18, please. There's a difference between us and the world, according to the scripture. It says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? There's a difference between us. Verse 16, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are, we are, the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. We're to be separated in every part of our life. Everything we do, we're to be separate. We're to be separated Brother Dave, turn over to uh, uh, 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. Or 1 Peter 2, verse 9, yeah. Verse 17 here, before he reads that. Therefore, come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We're to come out from among them and be separate. So whenever I take my life and I mirror this world... Have I come out from among them and been separate? No. I say I'm a Christian, I've gotten saved, but my life reflects the world. That's not what it's supposed to do. Read for me, Brother Dave. Let me ask you Bible scholars a question. Back over in Exodus, I think it's about chapter 28, when God laid down the guidelines for a priest... Were they taken out and put separately? Yeah. Were they dressed separately? 
Yeah. Everything they did was separate. Why? So the people knew that they were priests. The Bible says here in this verse, Brother Dave just read it, we're the priesthood. We're to be separated. And it's not a little bit. And it's not what I think. I think doesn't have anything to do with it. It's what that book says. As I was studying this, and I've been, I've been God's kept me over in Ephesians. Flip over to Ephesians chapter 2. He's, I've been in Ephesians chapter 2 for better than a month. God's kept me here. And uh, as I've been reading it and studying it, it's, it's, it's really touched my heart. And, and it's helped me a lot in a lot of things in my life. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 2. This is what he's done for us. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Where in times past you walked, this is when I was lost, according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's where I was when I was lost. That was my lost state. That's where I was. Among whom also you had your conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4. But God. Now look at this. Who is rich in mercy for, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, way, way, way down the road, way down the road, after I'm in heaven, after I'm there, in ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. I was lost. The first three verses talk about my lost state. And then verse 4, but God. And the rest of Ephesians, it goes on here and it talks about our life and what God has done with us. What he is. And how he's called us. And how he's chosen us. And how we're separated unto him. Does it matter how I dress? Does it matter where I go? It matters. It matters. It matters a whole lot. It's what God wants. Does it really matter? Does it matter if I tithe? I was reading an article this last week and I was amazed by it. There's a big church. I won't tell you where. Well, there's about three of them. And I won't tell you where those three are. They don't tithe anymore. You know what they do? You pay a membership fee. Yeah, you pay a membership fee. They don't call it tithing. They call it a membership fee. It's like when you join the gym. You pay a membership fee. And then they don't care if you come or not because they got your money. But that's what they want. They say your membership fee is roughly, some places are 150 200 bucks. You pay the fee whenever you join the church. And every year you pay that fee. And that's what they base everything off of. They don't tithe. Does it matter if I tithe? Yes, it matters if you tithe. It matters. God said to. Does it matter what Bible I use? Absolutely. There's only one Bible. 
you're holding it in your lap. That's it. It does matter. Does it matter if I carry it? It doesn't matter. I don't have to carry my Bible. I'm going to church. The preacher knows it. He's going to preach. He knows what he's saying. I don't need it. That's what Satan tells us. You don't need it. You talk to most Catholic people. If they've really been a Catholic and you talk to them about the Bible, they have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, they got a Catholic Bible. They say, we don't get in that. That's up to the priest. That's not up to me. I can't read it. I can't understand it. That's what Satan's told us. God's people, we attempt to mirror the world. We're allowing Satan into our lives. We give up small pieces of ground in our lives all the time. How we dress. It's wrong to dress like the world. Men ought to dress like men. Women ought to dress like women. You say, Brother Chuck, you're narrow-minded. Absolutely. You're right. We are responsible for how we dress. There are principles found in this book that tell you exactly how you ought to dress. I'm smiling at you. All right. We say, show me. Go to Genesis. Go to Genesis, chapter 3. We're going to do it. Let's go right back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7. Talk about Adam and Eve here. And their eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves, what? Aprons. Who did that? Adam and Eve did, right? What did they do? They made their clothes. All right? But then go over to uh, verse 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and what? Clothe them. God says, I don't want what you want. I want what I want. And I want you to be clothed. God lays principles down in his book for exactly how we're to dress. And when we don't, we say, well, does it really matter? Does it matter if I wear britches? It does. Does it matter if I wear shorts? It does. Does it matter if I wear it too low? It does. Does it matter if I wear it too high? It does. Guys, we're going to hit you. Does it matter if I wear them stinking skinny jeans? It does. Does it matter if I go without my shirt? It does. It matters. God wants his body covered. And he wants it covered a certain way. Not the way you want. Not the way the world says. Not what you think. It's what God says. You say, can you give me scripture? You come see me. I'll give you all kinds of scripture. You know what it is? And I've had people tell me this. I've had ladies in this church tell me this. Give me a book and show me. I'll give them a great book. Brother Coral wife writes one of the best books on dress. And I'll give it to them. They'll read it and they'll bring it back to me. And you know what they say? They'll hand it back to me and they'll say, thank you. I don't agree with it. I didn't say you'd agree with it. You're not to agree with it. You're to do it. It doesn't matter. We say, I got to agree with it. If I don't agree with it, then it ain't right. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter whether I agree with it or not. There's a lot of things in this book that me and God's fought over. God's whipped me bad. And I say, yes, sir, you're right. I'm wrong. God is never wrong. 
You say, well, I don't see it that way. I don't see anything in that book that says, do you see it the way I see it? He didn't ask Adam and Eve, did he? Did he say, do you want these coats? Do you think this is a good idea? Your aprons are pretty nice. You just keep those. That ain't what he said. He said, take them aprons off and you put these coats on. I want you covered up. You say, Brother Chuck, you're pretty narrow-minded. Yep, I am. Women ought to look like women. Men ought to look like men. You say, well, I can wear britches and I can look like it. Not according to Scripture, you can't. You get mad at me if you want to. I'm telling you Bible. I'm telling you Bible. We need to watch what we wear. Husbands, you need to be a man and you need to stand up and tell your wife, you're not doing that. We're not having that. You say, well, I'm going to be in for a big fight. Not if your wife's right with God, you're not. She's going to say, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Your daughters, they ought to dress like women. Your young men ought to dress like young men. I've got a problem, personal. Brother Mark, stand up for me, would you please? I'm embarrassing. Pull your, come out in the aisle here. Stick your leg up there on that, on that uh, bench right there. Pull your pant leg up to your knee. Isn't that sexy? Isn't that pretty? Isn't that pretty? That's pretty, isn't it? Men walk around like this with shorts on. They say, well, there's nothing wrong with it. If there's nothing wrong with it, then why did God cover the priests up? He covered them up in linen britches. He didn't cover them up in the britches that come to their knee. He covered them up. You mean it's wrong? Yeah, it's wrong. We're to be covered up. God doesn't want that shown. Put that pant leg down, boy. That's sad. God doesn't want it. You say, you're narrow-minded. I'm telling you what, I'm telling you the book. I'm telling you the book. You know what we do? We mirror the world. We mirror it. We say, it doesn't really matter. I'm telling you, it matters. It matters where we go. It matters what we do. It matters what we listen to. It matters what we watch. Everything matters. The devil tells us it does not matter. It's no big deal. That's a lie. And we want to know why we don't have the power of God. And we want to know why souls aren't being saved. We want to know why things aren't happening in our lives. It's because we've got so much of the world in us. That's Bible. That's not mine. If you want to argue with me, come. We'll sit down with the Word of God and we'll talk about it. But I'm telling you, that's what the devil wants. The devil desires that. He pushes us to it. Go back to James chapter 4. And I'm done. I've tried to smile. I'm sorry. I didn't do a good job. James chapter 4 and verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enemy with God, Whatsoever, therefore, be, be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Right there. And you say, well, Brother Chuck, how do I know if it's right or wrong? I'm going to use Sister Carol for an example. Sister Carol says, well, I don't know if this is right or wrong for me to wear this. Tell you what, Carol, get on your face before God and ask God. Get in that book and let God talk to you. He'll tell you whether it's right or wrong. He will. 
He absolutely will. Should we go here or shouldn't we go there? I don't know. My friends do it. And they go to church. Get in a book. Get in a book. Get on your face before God. Stay on your face before God and God will tell you. And when in doubt, don't. Don't. I'd rather get to heaven and God say, Brother Chuck, you were way too strict on this stuff. You went way overboard on it. You didn't have to be that way. Then me get to heaven and him say, boy, you knew better than that. You didn't talk to me about that. You didn't search my word for that. You let that go and you let that go and you let that go. I don't want that. You say you're very narrow-minded. Absolutely. You say you're old. Absolutely. You don't know the young people. Absolutely. But I know one thing. I've seen church after church after church close because they weren't narrow. I've never seen a church close because they were too narrow. I've never seen a church go apostate because they were too narrow. Never. I'm telling you, we're that close for doors to be closed. You know what it takes? The next generation. You let it go, the next generation. It's done. I'm going to close with this. There's a church over here I left quite a few years ago and came here. I'm not mentioning names. And uh, I got called in. I was teaching a young, young couples class. And I got called in. And I've been teaching on this subject, something like what we talked about today, but I've been teaching on it for a couple of weeks. And uh, the pastor and two deacons called me in. They said, we want a meeting. And I said, okay, sure. Now, I was a deacon in the church. So I went in, and I didn't know what it was about. And I sat down, and they said, did you teach that we need to be separated? And did you teach on, on standards? And did you teach on clothing? And did you teach on this and that and everything else? I said, yes, sir, I did. I said, here's the scripture I gave. He said, we're not having this in, that ch in our church anymore. We're not teaching that anymore in this church. We don't want that taught here. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, okay, I understand what you're saying. I said, last Sunday was my last Sunday. They said, no, we don't want you to leave. We want you to change. I said, that ain't happening. I said, that ain't happening. I said, last Sunday was my last Sunday. And I walked out. Today, that church is not there anymore. That church is not there. And at one day, it stood and preached the gospel. It's because men and women don't stand. It's because we let things go. Things that we don't think are important. The Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's all the little things. Let's pray and we're done. Father, we thank you for this.